0: Hello, internet. My name's Jonathan Cook, and I'm Matt Noble. And in this week's episode of Screen Verdict, we're going to be reviewing Zero Dark Thirty. Yes, and
1: I think we'll freely give our opinions uh, on the film. You won't need to force it out of us in any way. <laughs> Jonathan, uh, would you mind going filling up that jug of water for me? <laughs>
0: You thirsty, Matt? Yeah, pretty thirsty. Uh, I'll bring a towel with me as well, just in case you spill <laughs> any and you want to wipe it off your chin Yeah, oh, before be, doing the podcast. That would be great. That be fantastic. Okay. So, Zero Dark Thirty, it's a movie.
1: People are talking about it. They are. Senators are writing reviews
0: in America, all because a lady directed it. Yes. It's very controversial. Mm. This is what all the talk about Zero Dark Thirty has been. Yeah. A serial offender, Catherine Bigelow. She's done it before. <laughs> She's. Yes. In fact, one Best Picture and Best Director, I believe. Oscars. Yes. For yes. The Hurt Locker.
1: Signalling an end to sexism in Hollywood. <laughs> there is now no longer sexism in Hollywood. We live in a post-Bigelow world. <laughs> Obama and Bigelow have ended prejudice. Yeah. Good job, guys. But yes, uh, so she, yeah, The Hurt Locker... Uh, I think people are more concerned about this one because at least no one saw the Hurt Locker. People are actually going to see Zero so
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the Hurt Locker? I did like the Hurt Locker. I think it was one of the best films that year, and I mm. think I was rooting it, and I think I was rooting for it to win over Avatar that year. Oh, yes, definitely <laughs> gunning for it to beat Avatar
1: for sure. Um, yeah, but you always go with the good movie over the bad. Movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did also like Up and Up in the Air that year. Uh, Hurt Locker, the best film of uh, 2011 without Up in the title. <laughs> so does
0: this mean you have high expectations for this movie? Well, yes, I like the Hurt Locker. I heard Jessica Chastain was in it, and everyone knows we like her. Yeah, we love her. The early rumblings on it seemed pretty good. Mm-hmm. It had a bit of an interesting topic, which I guess we'll get to in a second. So... I had reasonable expectations for, for Zero Dark Thirty. I really like The Hurt Locker. It was
1: just a really well-made film and, like, really well-directed, too. Like, it just the way it looked and the way it felt and you really got in there. So I was, I
0: was pretty excited for this, too. Now, the story of Zero Dark Thirty is the hunt for Bin Laden, the world's greatest fugitive. Is that the tagline? That description makes him sound like a really sneaky cartoon character. <laughs> sort of like Roadrunner. Like, ah, oh, he's just... So <laughs> you yeah, just can't catch him every time you think you're so close. Well, uh spills away. Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: Now, this is based on true events. Yes. How close to the real events are we led to believe this film is? Hmm. There's two opinions on this.
1: One opinion... Uh, th- it would appear very close because the very beginning of the movie, a card comes up <laughs> saying, This film depicts events from first hand accounts or something like that. Yeah. But on the other hand, you've got Catherine Bigelow going around saying, Hey, this is just a movie. This is uh, not a documentary.
0: Um, like, so you've got a few different thoughts on this. Yeah, we interviewed those people. Didn't write anything down. Then we just made a movie. Yeah. It seemed more real to me than Gangster Squad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's on the hunt for Bin Laden. What are your thoughts? Do you want them to succeed in this mission? Do you? Are you going for them? Are you invested at all? My what, pro Bin Laden. Yeah. Etsy Bin
0: Laden. Yeah,
1: because sometimes these movies, you go for the fugitive. You want the fugitive to get away. Did you
0: want Bin Laden to get away? Well, we didn't get to see much of Bin Laden. Mm, Very hard to empathise with him in this film. Yeah, I wasn't invested in the character of Bin Laden. Uh, I think the filmmakers would want the audience to want Bin Laden to be caught, but I think most people, spoiler alert, know he gets caught. (laughs) So rather in the... the I I think most
1: people have seen the newsroom. I think most, <laughs> of, most people probably know
0: the line was caught. Find a pilot, give him a handshake. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of trouble. So I think the investment is not so much whether he gets caught, but the intrigue of how they go about that. Mm. It opens the film with voice recordings
1: of victims of 9-11. Which I thought was quite powerful, mm. because it's quite distressing. hmm yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think um, that's to remind us Bin Laden's a bad guy. We want
0: him caught. So how do we go about this, Matt? How do we catch Bin Laden? Well gonna need that jug of water filled up and that towel again, <laughs> but
1: uh, <laughs> not for a drink. No, seriously, I think this film shows quite a few different methods that were used to find bin laden it's not just one particular scene where they get him
0: yeah and it starts off with the first tactic that they seem to use that everyone is talking about is torture yeah bush is president torture's running rampant (laughs) (laughs) yeah the film takes place i think it starts in about oh three so it covers quite a long time period yeah now, I've heard people saying this film's pro-torture. It shows all this torture. You need to torch pe- torture people to get the information. Mm. Torture, torture, torture. Here's my opinion on torture in the film. Okay, let's hear it. This is an exclusive. I have none. There's barely any torture, and the torture's pointless. They don't even really get anything that interesting out of the torture. The torture is only interesting for the torture's sake. But the film doesn't really make any statement about torture. Am I going torture was the key? Firstly, I'm not sure
1: if that's how they even do the torture. <laughs> like don't they need with waterboarding the heart to be elevated above the face or something like? And don't they strap them into a like they actually have them on a board? Like it's not just some guy tackles a guy onto a like gym mat, and they <laughs> say to some lady, "Hey, lady, could you get us a jug of water?" Like but, it's water matting, not
0: waterboarding.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> I just say like I, I'm like you know, surely they have the water already. It's not like they're just one of the guys. I I forget his name that they torture. They taught, they waterboarded him 183 times, 182 times. Like they're not just haphazardly doing it. They're planning it and it's, so, like, I, I just feel like the film didn't even depict torture that accurately,
0: from what I know about torture. <laughs> okay? Personally, when I yeah. torture someone, it's more effectively when they're elevated. From what
1: I've read,
0: from what I understand, I'm not even sure that is that accurate. Don't you think they were more successful with stuff they did later in the film, which had nothing to do with torture, when Obama ended torture, or whatever he did? Here's the other thing. Don't
1: they get a bit of information from that torture? A very small little bit. Yeah,
0: then, they get the days of the week. Yeah, They get, they torture him to the point where he reveals Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday. They've turned him to Rebecca Black. This <laughs> is <because laughs> what they've done. But no, like, doesn't
1: he give them a name or something? Like, they get a little bit of information that they then, like, use later. So, like, you... Always go back to the, well, we wouldn't have got all this other information if we didn't get that little bit of information from the torture at the beginning of the movie. It's not a strong case for this film being pro-torture, though, is it? Facts on the ground, it's not really a strong case of torture, but I feel like no one in the film ever questions the torture. Is more the issue. Here's my view on what Catherine Bigelow wanted to say about torture in this film. Nothing. (laughs) I think she want to say nothing. (laughs) But I think she she wanted to use torture to tell the story. Yes. I think she was using it as a narrative device, and she didn't want to say torture was good. She wanted to say torture was bad.
0: I think she just, to get from A to B, she used torture. I think it showed more about the development of Jessica Chastain's character than it did about the topic of torture itself. But does that incidentally end up giving a message about torture? I think it's one of those fine line things. I think an example would maybe be the Dark Knight and the Joker character. His maniac behaviour and love for chaos and disaster. Mm. Does that serve just to entertain, convey Mm. a story? Or does it condone that kind of behaviour? He is the villain of the movie, though. And Jessica
1: Chastain's the hero of the movie. (laughs) Mmm. Yeah, so it's a tricky one. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing I will say is, do you also feel a bit like me? It was sort of
0: not very clear in how they got the information. Like, it was just so haphazard. Yeah, I thought in this film there was going to be a lot of sort of interesting spy work and interesting detective stuff and then searching for clues and solving puzzles. Hmm. But really, they just got information from talking to people and what they needed to do after that, how to use that information was kind of obvious, but they just kept on getting held up by red tape and political nonsense. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Jessica Chastain.
1: And her character, because she's the lead. She's got an Oscar nomination for lead actress for, for this role. Um, she's an actress I think we've both been fans of in the past. We both think she's one of the best actresses going around. She's the lead
0: character in this. So what, what do you think of Chastain in this? Well, I heard before the film came out that Jennifer Lawrence was probably the favourite mm. to win lead actress at the mm. Oscars. Yeah. Then I read an article that said, oh, look out, Lawrence! Jessica Chastain has just bumped up from supporting to lead. Yeah. How was she ever in supporting? She is by far the most prominent character in the film. She says the most, she's on screen the most, she's the most important character. This is the definition of a lead performance.
1: And it's not even an ensemble where, like, you go, well, she's got the most, but, like, sort of they all support each other. Like, she's in 90%
0: of the movie. (laughs) Like, she's... (laughs) So that's a little bit baffling. Mm-hmm. Not representative of her performance, though. Mm. I think she was very strong in this. Yes. We've said before that Chastain has this certain presence, a grace on the yeah. screen. Mm. This performance is perhaps a little bit more gritty. She's out in Pakistan sweating in her pantsuits. And Ray-Ban sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she does a really good job of portraying that strong, intelligent, determined character that, and I don't know if this was the case, but is the one person that you can really credit for the success of the mission. I'd like to draw a parallel to Argo.
1: Argo's a film, the we saw that I enjoyed, I thought it was good. It's a, also about a mission conducted by the US government with a different aim, that this is assassinating a leader, Argo was rescuing some hostages. But it's still a mission... And I think I said in an Argo review, if I didn't say it, I didn't really thought it, that it seems like Ben Affleck's character was really the hero, and he did everything. And I thought maybe, I, I would imagine the load was shared a bit more than the film presented us with in Argo. Not that that agent, CIA agent wasn't incredible and deserved his medal and things, but I'm saying I'm sure... Like, it seemed like he was just the only person who was ever right about anything the whole (laughs) way through the movie. (laughs) I felt actually exactly the same in this film, watching Jessica Chastain. I felt like, I'd be very surprised if there was a woman, or man, okay, it's not because she's a woman, but this woman, who... Just it seems like she was the only person trying to get bin Laden and really focused on that for 12 years and she was just right about everything pretty much like it just felt like they had and I actually researched this after watching them because I, said, I wonder if she's a real person or if they just created a composite character because it was better for the story. Well no, they apparently based her off an unnamed. CIA agent who's still out in the field somewhere who, gosh, knows where she is now, but, uh, <laughs> who she? hope <laughs> she's
0: not looking for you. Uh, but <laughs> what can you have possibly done? <laughs> where well, they're like, we need the person that got Bin Laden for this case. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> and I would imagine the, uh, the number of our
0: listeners who are terrorists is quite low. <laughs> so, but, don't we appreciate the download statistics <laughs> all the same? Yes. So uh, we're not political. We're not political. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but uh, it, just, it just seemed like, and for a film that is, I think, trying to seem like it's very real, it did break
0: it a little bit for me having her do so much, one character. Yeah, it seemed like she got a little bit of support and help from the Jason Clarke character, the other agent from the torture scenes. But other than that, she seemed pretty much on her own. Like, every time she got into an argument with Carl Chandler, I just wanted to slap him. And she's like, you're obviously wrong. Just do what she says. She's the hero of the movie. <laughs> she's... Haven't you read the script, pal? She's yeah. the one that gets bin Laden. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, as well as Jessica Jastain... We have a few other people pop up in Zero Dark Thirty, Mm. mostly American sitcom actors.
1: Yeah, when you're putting together your uh, hunt for Bin Laden team,
0: you're looking at, uh, who are the people that can make America laugh? (laughs) Well, we've done a podcast on parks and recreation. We love the parks. We do, except season four, not quite as much. But we have Chris Pratt. Famous for playing Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec. Yes. Now, he's not that smart a guy. He's not the perhaps the most useful person to have around the Parks and Recreation Department. Is he the most useful person to have on the Navy SEALs team trying to take down Bin Laden? Well, it sounds like he's a
1: good guy to have around. He likes playing the horseshoes. He's (laughs) got an iPod to listen to some uh, songs on the way to the... I think it was a bit poor form him not sharing the earpiece with the soldier next to him, though. Like, that would have been nice. Like, you're just about to go kill Bin Laden, maybe share your music. That's good bonding. Um, it's very interesting when you see, like, a character that is so funny on Parks and Rec, and one of our favourites in this very serious role. You know, I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners, but I say, ooh, is he going to be... Is Andy Dwyer going to kill Bin Laden? Is he going to be the guy who gets the shot off? So... I didn't actually mind it as much. As someone I saw the film with, uh, Kent, was very much like, why did they pick that doofus to like, be in the Bin Laden team? It just
0: ruined it for me. And I was like, oh, it's a bit of fun. Well, those scenes weren't comic relief, but they weren't really that dramatic. You did get no. to see the sort of soldiers being soldiers yeah. kind of mucking around, playing some games. So mm. I think it did make sense to have someone that was quite funny in that role. Chris Pratt, making a bit of a, like, uh, last year he was uh, on the
1: Moneyball team. <laughs> this year he's on the Kill Bin Laden team. He just gets in these Oscar-nominated teams. Like, he's just always popping up. what is he in anything next year that could be an Oscar? Is he the key to success been, in... In Oscars,
0: yeah. Getting nominated. <laughs> <laughs> the Delivery Man. And Lego the Movie. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs>
1: That's his 2014 Oscar vehicle. Uh, but yeah, Chris Pratt. I think if you are a filmmaker out there and you're wanting to put together a team, whether it's a underdog baseball team, an underdog kill terrorist team, get Chris Pratt on
0: your team. <laughs> now, another sitcom actor we had was Pete from The League. Mm. I don't know that
1: show. I just know at the end of It's Always Sunny episodes, there's an ad for it.
0: <laughs> and he plays some kind of office agent guy at the White House. And I quite liked his role because he wasn't delivering snappy jokes or anything, but he gave some really good reactions to some of the things that Jessica Chastain did. Yeah. In a big meeting with some really high-up-level people, she drops an M- MF bomb. Yeah. And how he just turns to her and gives her that face afterwards. He goes, yeah. hmm. I thought it was yeah. quite a nice touch to the scene. Yeah. Perhaps did Zero Dark Thirty not focus enough on the comedy yeah. in the film? Yeah, it could have been... they done a sort of more a dark comedy. Could have been good.
1: Um, a few of the other actors in it that we'll just run through. Jason Clark, uh, who's apparently born in Australia or something. <laughs> um, there was Col Chandler from Friday Night Lights doing a bit. James Gandolfini from The Sopranos. So some pretty big drama series heavy hitters. Two Emmy winners there. And uh, also Michael
0: from Lost. Do you remember Walt's dad from Lost? Yeah, he did pretty much nothing in the film. If anyone got excited for that, we apologise. I think the Lost fans get pretty excited when someone from Lost pops up in things, right? Yeah. I preferred him in Oz. He was good in Oz. Oh, okay.
1: Were you surprised not to see Zelko even in this film? I feel like this is the film he should have
0: been all over. <laughs> and another Aussie, Joel Edgerton, who you might have seen in Warrior.
1: Hmm.
0: So, Australia's represented in... In Team Bin Laden. Yeah. yeah. Team... Oh, not team Bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Here's another thing that I thought was interesting. Uh, another parallel with Argo that I drew. Both of these are missions, right? Uh that the president signed off on. But the president seems very not involved in the, in the missions. Yeah. Like, it seems like... Um, and I think, again, for both films, as a storytelling device and they're trying to avoid commenting on the president. So they just put him in the background. Um, we did see Obama briefly in the film on a 60 Minutes interview. Torture's bad. We don't do that. America uh, does not torture... <laughs> I will not torture Americans.
0: Oh no, he doesn't say that. He, he won't torture anyone. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't see the first half an hour of the movie. Yeah. you got the Jessica Justine just rolling
1: her eyes. Oh yeah, we don't torture, do <laughs> Got news for you. Well, that's a bit of a grit to go. I will not torture people anymore because America
0: doesn't torture people. Because, well, you can't really say. America doesn't torture people anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Admitting that you did torture people is not really the best. Were you disappointed, um,
1: unlike Argo, where we got at the end of the movie Jimmy Carter doing an old, hey, I was Jimmy Carter, I was president? Like, we didn't get Obama in the end credits going, uh, oh, it's just uh, President Obama here, and uh, just letting you know that. Zero Dark Thirty was a mission. It happened, just like in the movie. (laughs) I could have taken more credit for it at the time. uh, (laughs) But
0: I uh, decided not to, for the good of the nation. That's one of your better accents. (laughs) Better impressions. (laughs) I found my calling an Obama (laughs) (laughs) impersonator. Yeah, were you disappointed not to see that? Yeah, I think the film could have maybe used some more Obama. I don't know. (laughs) It
1: couldn't really. Do you reckon in any way Obama would have ever agreed to do a voiceover agreeing with the depiction in the film?
0: I don't know. Here's the thing about the controversy that I should have said when we were talking about torture. I think the whole reason why people are talking about the controversy I think it's just been started by the film's people, like whoever yeah. the studio is. They've the one that got this running because controversy is good for sales. Yes, it's not that controversial. I don't think. Might be controversial if Obama endorsed it. Yeah, I feel like if about that is exactly how things happened, <laughs> exactly in this film.
1: <laughs> I love Twenty Four. We loved the Twenty Four, didn't we? <laughs> but it was always, like you always heard these people going out on. TV, going, Oh, look, t- torture works just like in Twenty Four. Yeah. You go, well, it's a TV show. Like, <laughs> it doesn't work necessarily. Uh, and I think like this even has
0: more weight to it. So I think I feel like if you're deriving your political opinions based on the show Twenty Four, that's the problem. That's this problem <laughs> yeah. is not with the show Twenty Four. Yes, it's your decision on where to get your source of political decision making from. Yes. And do you think it would be the same mistake if you do that from Zero Dark
1: Thirty? Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. I think the problem is people are feeling like this is an accurate representation of what happened as opposed to this is a movie telling a story, it's telling a story about a character. It's, it's setting it out like a, like a, you get the information. This isn't exactly how it happened. If you want to see a movie that's sort of 9-11 related that gets you a real sense of reality and I think is a fairly accurate of what went down, United 93. Great movie.
0: Scott Hands from Boston League. Yes. (laughs) Christian Clemenson. Yeah, that that I really liked. Okay, so now it's time for one of our segments that we sometimes do. Yeah. What has Blank taught us this week? Matt, what has Zero Dark Thirty taught you? It taught me
1: not to share your ice cream with a monkey. (laughs) This may sound a bit of a bizarre thing to learn, but there's no context required. Like, (laughs) there's just a scene where a guy (laughs) shares an ice cream with a monkey, and then the monkey steals his ice cream. (laughs) Like, that is literally exactly what happens in the movie. (laughs) So, Jonathan,
0: what has Zero Dark Thirty taught you? Zero Dark Thirty has taught me that million-dollar prototype stealth helicopters seem to go down really easily. Yeah. They use some of these helicopters in the mission when they go to get bin Laden, and all of a sudden, one of them is like, oh, we're going down. It's like, why? You didn't even get shot by a rocket. You didn't hit anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's just dramatic. Oh, you got to have the helicopter scene, man. The helicopter's got to go down, right? Yeah. yeah. I think the
1: helicopter did go down though in the in the real operation. <laughs> so they didn't explain. Oh, it
0: was a bit windy. We're going down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we had a uh, uh, Chris Pratt had like sucked all the power out of the helicopter with his
0: iPod. So he had the iPod on charge. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they went to the effort of trying to destroy the helicopter. So. The people there couldn't steal any of his technology or anything. It's a crappy helicopter. Let them have it. It, it broke. goes yeah, down it anyway.
1: Broke.
0: Yeah, the Pakistani is going to get your broken helicopter. <laughs> it was
1: the first time it ever been flown. <laughs> uh, very good. Okay, are we. I guess now we give Zero Dark Thirty a verdict. Yes? Yeah. And we're going to do things a little differently. A little differently with this mm-hmm. verdict. Yeah. We're going to give it a score, not out of 10, but anywhere from 0 to 30. (laughs) We're going to give 0 to 30 a score from 0 to 30. If you want the score out of 10, just divide it by 3.
0: There's a little mass tip. A little sneaky mass tip. We're not going to do that for you, though. We're not mathematicians. Oh, come on. Well, 0 to 30. I had reasonable expectations for it. And at the start, I was enjoying it. I thought the opening was really strong. I thought this is a good premise for a film. Jessica Chastain, really strong lead. I thought the torture scenes worked quite well within the film. And I think you've got some interesting progression in the mission. But after a while, I thought there's not really anything that interesting or clever or different going on. I think everyone just sort of knows What's going on, basically. And you kind of just have to wait and wait and get through red tape and argue with people until you get to do what everyone knows needs to be done. Hmm. And I guess maybe that was what happened. And we're trying to convey what it was like for Jessica Chastain's character. Hmm. But it's not really that interesting. Then we have the big green scene. Yeah. We get about 20 minutes in night vision. And I think that raid was really tense. I think that was shot really well. Mm. But I think the film, and the film runs for maybe two hours and 40 minutes. It's pretty it's long. Long. I think at that point, I'd lost a bit of my enthusiasm for the film. Yeah. And because I knew the outcome, I don't think I really enjoyed the scene as much as that scene deserved. Because I think if I think about it, I think it was done really well, mm. but the film had sort of lost me a little bit at that point. Mm-hmm. So, Zero Dark Thirty, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't quite what I hoped it would be. I'm going to give it a a 22.5 out of 30. Whoa. Let's start
1: with what worked in this film. It was somewhat an interesting story. Uh, There were whole lots of bits of information coming in, a few scenes and stuff that worked really well. I thought the cast was really good. I thought Chastain gave a great performance. I think Bigelow's got a great feel for directing and just creating a mood and creating um, this world. So I think it was really a really nice film that, like, had my interest uh, for a lot of it. Um, okay, let's go what didn't work. It is so long. It is so <laughs> long. Like, like let's, let's just let's just be frank here. Like, we've you, got, like, The Hobbit. We've got, like, we've got Zero Dark Thirty. We've got Lincoln. We've got all these, like, three-hour Django, out Django. We've got all these three-hour movies this year. What is going on? Like, <laughs> like, and they're all... Like, Django's the only one that kept my... Like, the, that was, like, entertaining the whole way through. Like, all the others, you could trim, like, an hour off them. Like, and, and this is no exception. What are they do? Why do we need, like, three <laughs> hours of catching Bin Laden? <laughs> like... <laughs> With the torture thing, I I don't think she's got an agenda here. I I think it's maybe unfortunate some of the way this film's being used uh, to justify torture and things. The issue of torture and America's use of torture post-9-11 is really interesting. Like, And it's really interesting, the discussions that were had about that and stuff, and I would go as far to say much more interesting than a lot of this movie. (laughs) <laughs> so maybe the problem was she didn't say anything about torture. I think it was a bit haphazard, like a bit all over the place, the film. Like, it, again, there's even, like, we don't even... It wasn't even clear what the torture did in the movie. Like, did it just give them days? Did they get a name that was usable from the torture? Like, I don't know. And I feel like for a film that maybe like ninety three was meant to look like a... This is, like, a document and you're watching a real, like, event... I still felt like I was watching a movie the whole way through. I still felt like, oh, yeah, she's the hero. She's getting out. She's the Jack Bauer character just without the action scenes. Uh, I guess one example of how this film dragged, there's a scene where they're getting someone to come in and and they're like, oh, I baked him a cake and stuff. It just seems so movie. Yeah, so I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was an interesting movie. But considering, yeah, Bigelow behind an Oscar-winning director, some of the source material, like the hunt for Bin Laden and the enhanced interrogation everything like that, easy, interesting stuff. She had good stuff to work with. I think what we ended up with was pretty disappointing. So I'm going to give it a 22 out of 30. A
0: 22 out of 30. For a combined 44.5 out of 60. Yeah. So I know some people will just be like, I have no idea what that means. That's yeah. a good score, is that a bad score? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to the out of sixty scale. <laughs> Should
1: we convert it for them? Out of ten, our combined
0: score <laughs> is around seven and a half, is seven point have given it a seven and a half, and you've given it a seven and a third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our first third. No, album. it didn't deserve that last sixth of a mark. So, yeah. That's how much we disagreed. I guess we're not too
1: disappointed Catherine Bigelow got snubbed from the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Housekeeping! Let's open it up. Well, on our Screen Verdict Facebook page, we had a poll from our uh, Silver, Linings play- Silver Linings Playbook, a-, a movie that wasn't snubbed for Best Director at the Oscars. Jonathan, floated, well, we sort of floated the idea of having a dance
0: team for Screen Verdict and actually doing some dancing. Well, um, I thought on the podcast that you suggested we do some dancing. Yes, you thought that this should be with other people, and girls. I said, no, no, let's go, let's get a Screen Verdict we dance team. We should get two going. girls and we dance with
1: girls. I think that's the go. That you wanted to no, dance. That, that with wouldn't us. be a Screen Verdict dance team. It'd be two We're Screen Verdict. Verdict dance team. Well. Anyway, you thought we should dance together, so you put it to the people. You put it to the poll. What are the results, Matt? Well, 100% of people have voted we should dance Now, so I, I then got a bit, okay, okay. The, the people have spoken. I, I've heard them. So I did a bit of research into dance competitions <laughs> in Sydney, right? So I sent you a list of the dance competitions and said, look these over, let me know which one you want to enter because the, the people have decided. And this was your response. That sounds like too much effort.
0: (laughs) Well, let me clarify. We did discuss, if someone did ask us to do a dance, that we would be up for it. We're helpful friends. We don't mind a bit of dancing. But how many practices are we required to go to? I feel like travelling somewhere to compete in a ballroom and or Latin American dance competition does sound like effort. So I'm suggesting that maybe we could choreograph a little something, maybe chuck up a little YouTube video for the Screen Verdict listeners. We might have to work on that throughout maybe, the week. Maybe, but I'm just still a little bit like... If I'm
1: going to, like...
0: If we're going to do it, we're con- going to go
1: all the way. Yeah, why not just enter a competition? I don't think we need to practice much of the competition. I think we can just rock up. I like how the price
0: to enter is... <laughs> One of them is- is, is... is the dollar sign blank... <laughs> Yeah, I think we'd need to call that. A blank check is not what I want to be paying to enter a dance competition. (laughs) Will they let a male duo enter? (laughs) We could cause a bit of... We could be very controversial. Breaking down prejudice within the dance community. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) uh, That's a community that is very hard done by, by the dance community. Yes. uh, Notorious homophobes, the dance community.
1: Um, so I guess we'll keep on talking about this this week. See if
0: we want to do the YouTube video, want to enter a competition. So I think the best thing to do would be to like Screen Verdict on Facebook and that's where you'll be able to stay up to date with our podcast and potential dance dance outings. Mm. So look out for that. And if you are a girl listening and you would like to dance with me or Jonathan, get in touch. Get in touch with Matt. I only want to do a screen verdict dance team. Ah, so if you'd like to enter a dance competition with me,
1: it looks like there's an opening. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I spoke to Jess this week. She appreciated the congratulations on the podcast. We actually were the online exclusive. <laughs> now we beat that hasn't
0: wasn't even updated on Facebook by the time our podcast went up. So there you go. So any of you interested in Jess Jones' relationship news, we are the number one online source. Continue to follow Screen Verdict. We'll have all the Mm up-to-date updates on Jess Jones' life. (laughs) Well, I think that's a wrap on the podcast. Yes. For next
1: week, we're going from one thirty to another. From Zero Dark 30 to 30 Rock. Yes. The final season of 30 Rock. Final season, so... How did it end? Were we satisfied? And uh, we're going to be talking about
0: some of our favorite 30 Rock episodes of all time. Very exciting. Mm. So stay tuned for that. Yep. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye.